Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland, Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney here in the final week of the regular season uh, 2020. We made it, you know? I feel like doing a little Barry Manilow. Looks like we made it. Did anybody know that? No? Is that just me? <laughs> uh, Maybe if you keep singing, we'll Yeah, you'll recognize <laughs> if I keep going, yeah. No, I mean, that's what most of the people tune in. They want to hear some, uh, you know, old-fashioned stylings. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, in all sincerity, it's, uh, I think we've mentioned this the last couple episodes, but it's wild that, that we're here. We've reached the final week of the regular season. Um, I won't belabor that part. Cause I know we talked about sort of what we're going to think back on the season and being like, how close was it to being shut down? But, you know, I just thought it worth mentioning since we are actually here within the final week of the season, the Cubs are, uh, you know, aiming to clinch the division as soon as the next couple days. Magic number is four uh, at the moment over the Cardinals. Uh, but it it's still going to be, you know, f- for as close as they are to clinching, it's still a final week with a lot of intrigue, right? Because um, we'll talk about some of the rotation stuff in a moment and settling the bullpen and that kind of stuff. But uh, there's another potential Chris Bryant injury to discuss. So I think it makes sense kind of to, to lead off with that. Uh, so how do you want to, for, for those who don't know okay. and or for those who need it set up for them, why don't you provide the information and provide, you can start the context part of the conversation about what it is to be without Chris Bryant at the moment. Yeah. I mean, he took a, I, I believe it was the first pitch he sw- saw yesterday. He swung at, uh, grimaced a little bit. Uh, I think Glenn and JD picked it up right away. I think if you were watching closely, it was, it was hard to miss. And, and then, uh, maybe a pitch or two later, the trainer and Ross came out, kind of talked to, Bryant, he went and played, he stayed in that, that at bat, uh, he went and played defense. And then the next half, the next inning, when, when the Cubs came out for defense again, Bodie was out there. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it, it's a, I believe it was right. Yeah. Right. Lower oblique, uh, tightness, which, you know, that's very vague and obliques are, uh, can be pretty bad injuries uh, i think that's that's the same thing that rowan wicks out with correct uh and so we, we don't know the severity yet uh ross basically said it's day-to-day after the game but admitted that he was worried because you never know the nature of a oblique injury uh for me the the context is chris bryant ha- is in the midst of his worst season right it's a 60 game weird season whatever whatever you want to put uh, caveats you want to put on there He's in arguably the worst stretch uh, I've ever seen him in. There's no power. He's striking out more than ever. He's not walking as much as he used to. Even when he get gotten good uh, counts recently, he's finally been getting in good counts and just missing hittable pitches. It's really hard to watch knowing that in the back of your mind, you're wondering this can't be just someone that's uh, t- whose timing is off, right? You're constantly wondering if there were there were all these nagging injuries we've had a back issue we've had a wrist issue uh just wondering if uh, if those things are starting to add up if it's the combination of physical and mental all those different things were are running through my mind I don't know exactly what was dogging him before this latest injury if if those injuries if the wrist was still bothering him we, we haven't heard that I, I'm sure it, there's maintenance involved with that injury 
the bottom line for me is I don't know how he has any, you know, Chris Bryant type uh, performances the rest of this season. It just feels like a lost season to me. I know we're waiting to hear more about the injury, how long he he's out, if at all. I would assume he's out for at least a game. Uh, but it, any hope for me that Chris Bryant is going to get back on track in 2020 feels, uh, you know, pretty, pretty much all but gone. Uh, it really right now this offense is a mess and and it it has to be up to other guys like Rizzo and Baez and Schwarber who had a real nice night last night. Yeah, I think we have to be <clears throat> bracing for the possibility, though unlikely, that Chris Bryant's played his last game in a Cubs uniform, and I think uh, to expect everything to come together in this last week was kind of a, a difficult ask, anyways. And when you compound all these different injuries with uh, really challenging circumstances off the field. I mean, Chris is a pretty thoughtful guy uh, with a new young family. Uh, just He's not alone here. I mean, these stars that the Cubs have kind of built their team around, uh, these young hitters who grew up together, I mean, none of them are really uh, clicking right now, and it's kind of amazing that they're in first place um, and on – on the verge of clinching here, but I think whether it's John Lester's last start, uh, David Ross kind of firing that bullet and um, pulling Kyle Schwarber on national TV, Bryant grimacing and you know kind of feeling that grabbing sensation on his right side, uh, Javi Baez just having an awful kind of platform year. You can kind of start to see you know this kind of end of an era really coming into focus. Yeah, it's weird to think about how, you know, they could get on one, put this together, maybe win a World Series, and yet we could simultaneously see this being the end because of, of everything you just mentioned. And um, I imagine it's at some point in the near future we'll expand on that conversation um, about your very correct mention that there's a chance that we've now seen Chris Bryant for the last time in a Cubs uniform. It's, it's, there's a chance and, and we'll expand on that another time. Cause I think we're going to have a lot of time to talk about the nature of um, what this off season is going to look like basically. But in the more immediate term, what I have been thinking about in relation to this injury is because of a lot of what you said Sahadev, about the unlikelihood that that Bryant was just going to get right, you know, in the final week of the season that just, whether it's nagging injuries, whether it's a combination of that and timing, whether it's mental, whether it's just a lot of, I suspect a lot of things combining together. I don't think it would have been a smart bet to say that, well, you know, the switch was just going to flip and he was going to turn things around. Cause this was a guy who, even when he was squaring the ball up, it just wasn't taken off. I mean, something is just not right there. And what I think about in the potential that, you know, let's imagine that it's a, a bad news situation on the oblique and he's out uh, perhaps for the rest of the regular season and the postseason. I'm thinking about, you know, what what do the Cubs lose? Um, you Anytime you lose a player who has the potential to be very good, that stings. And you never want to downplay that because you're losing depth. You're losing, you know, if... if David Bodie were to get hurt, then you're sort of further down the chain. But, you know, if we believe that right now, this year, it just wasn't going to happen for Chris Bryant, then instead of uh, seeing this as a situation where 
It's David Bodie replacing what Chris Bryant could be. It's it's David Bodie replacing what Chris Bryant was being right now, which I'm not trying to be sort of dark about this and say that, oh man, this is a, an upgrade because they were never going to bench Chris Bryant. So it actually worked out for the best. But it's, it's actually more just about a reflection on um, how I think a lot of fans are reacting to the potential that Chris Bryant's injured. Like it, it doesn't have that same like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit feeling to it. And it's it's just truly bizarre to be in that place now, given where we were last year or for the years past with Chris Bryant, that I, I think it's, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say, but it's true. I don't know how much worse for the wear the Cubs are in the near term for having to make this switch. Yeah, it's going to be the little things that we overlook, uh, maybe not overlook, but don't appreciate as much with Brian. I mean, he's a great base runner, right? I mean, he obviously has to be on base for that to have value. Uh, his defense has been plus this year, in my opinion. I, d- I know Bodie's made some nice plays, but I don't think Bodie's close to as good of a defender as Bryant looked this season. That's just how what I've observed and kind of how I feel about this that situation. I think it's a downgrade defensively. When they're when he's on the base paths, he's not going to be able to impact the game in that fashion. Take first to third and stuff like that on a single. Uh, but yes, overall, I mean, Bodie's going to have better at bats right now than Bryant. That's I mean, I it's hard to watch Bryant's at bats and say I see it coming along. Oh, the only thing that I noticed of late over the past maybe five days was he was getting in better accounts, starting to take his walks. Uh, that was a good sign to me, but he wasn't doing anything with those counts. I mean, he took a ton of walks, I want to say. He, he bumped that walk rate up uh, quite a bit because it was under 6%, and I think it's 8% now. So that's that's great in one sense, but I like it just was bizarre to see him have a 3-1 count and have a fastball that wasn't even, you know, upper 90s. And he just did nothing with it. And it wasn't like he didn't miss it. it he didn't foul it back. He just couldn't do anything with it. I don't know. I don't know if that was timing. I don't know if that's injury, but it was frustrating to watch for someone that knows how good he can be. I know the there's a narrative out there that he's been like this for years. It's just not true. I mean, it's absolutely not true. Go look at his actual numbers. And yes, has he been the player that he was in 16 or even 17? Probably not. No, but he's, he's not this player. There's something going on. Uh, I guess the fact that we're saying that we're even having this debate about, uh, the fact that, you know, maybe it's not a huge loss at this moment is, is really, uh, unexpected, I guess. And, uh, you know, maybe Bodie can have a nice uh, playoff and, and this final week, uh, but it's, I think it's more than him, right? It's going to have to be on others to kind of make this season, uh, this postseason interesting for the Cubs. Because it's, it's certainly not – yeah, and you're right, Britt. I mean, expecting Chris Bryant to have suddenly turned it on a dime didn't feel like a realistic expectation. I think back to Joe Madden in, in some of his answers when you know a guy would get hot and fans and media would start asking about him and he'd say – he'd kind of hint at, well, maybe there's a reason why he's doing well right now. It's because we're playing him at the right time in the right matchups without overexposing him. And I think there's – an element to that with David Bodie. Uh, I think the Cubs love him coming off the bench as a, as a pinch hitter late in the game, uh, maybe popping him out for a spot start here and there, but thinking that 
he's an everyday third baseman. I mean, that's simply not kind of what he signed up for. And then do you at certain points move Nico over to third and then kind of weaken uh, an area that the Cubs had really tried to shore up in terms of being able to turn double play as a side. I've mentioned KB is a terrific base runner. And I still think there's something to just seeing his name in the lineup. Like if you're the opposing manager, uh, if you're in one of these other divisions that haven't seen the Cubs regularly when your advanced scouts can't go into the stadium and analyze Chris Bryant the whole time, he still has you know a, a presence. And I think the Cubs are clearly uh, a lesser team without him. And maybe this is another kind of legacy off-season podcast topic, but I it's still stunning to me that Cubs fans seem to <laughs> – rejoice when Chris Bryan is injured or question the nature of his injuries or think, Oh, he's not that good. Or there's a lot of chatter around Chris Bryant that I don't quite understand. I guess part of it is reassuring that there are at least still parts of our lives that can feel pre COVID normal, i.e. people complaining about Chris Bryan or the bullpen or whatever, but it still is kind of staggering to me that this guy who has more than live up to the hype and has never once embarrassed the team during his entire run as a Chicago Cub um, is kind of people kind of either roll their eyes or shrug their shoulders, say, yeah, he's not that good or wasn't as good as he's supposed to be or uh, he hasn't done this or that. I just don't quite understand it. And I think, too, uh, a bit that'll maybe help some Cubs fans is to imagine that this was a guy on another team and he suddenly became available. Think about how quickly and easily you'd be able to tell yourself, ah, just throw out 2020. It's meaningless. Look at this guy. He was great before this year. He's, he could be great again. He's only 29. Da, 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 da. I think it's hard when you're so close to it as a Cubs fan to do the same thing, and everybody likes the shiny new thing. But uh, I think the fact that you would throw that out if he were on another team probably speaks to the fact that um, it, it, it's not, at all unreasonable to believe that this will be just a physically lost year and then Brian will be fine next year. I mean, I really think that's possible. Um, all right, before we transition, want to uh, stop for a moment to get uh, some words from our sponsors. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like I lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash wave and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there is Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash wave, that's W-A-V, like Waveland, today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's getroman.com slash wave, getroman.com slash wave. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, transitioning off of the the Chris Bryant stuff uh, to, I guess... Shoot, I could have done that so much better. I could have said, you know, stepping away from one guy who might be leaving with injury to another guy who's coming back from injury. That that would have been the smooth transition. <laughs> leave leave all this in, Michael. Just leave it all in. Uh, I'm talking, of course, about Jose Quintana, who uh, at least I would say was surprisingly announced as, as the starter for tonight's game against the Pirates. Um, we knew he was going to be coming back. He obviously, so he missed the start of the season with the sliced thumb. Then he came back uh, a couple outings and then he had some lat inflammation, shut him down again. And we knew he was going to be coming back, but I mean, the Cubs weren't really hiding the ball that they were looking at him more as a potential short um, to, to, I don't know, two, three inning relief option. Um, But he's actually making the start tonight. And I have some thoughts about the implications of that, but I will throw it to you guys to uh, offer up your thoughts first. Yeah, my initial thoughts are, you know, let's just see what he can do. I mean, what he was about a three inning guy max last time before he got before this lat injury shut him down. Uh, and, and he looked good, right? For three innings, the velocity was uh, higher than what we've seen the last couple of years kind of looked like he he was, uh, you know, getting the job done, but it quickly went away. So, yeah, I did find it a little bit of a surprise that he's starting, but I guess I wasn't shocked because I didn't expect Alzali to get the start just because he hasn't looked good lately. The command has just been really rough. And, uh, and I just, I didn't, I didn't think he was going to be called up to get that start. It made sense when, when they told us that, uh, that Quintana would probably be back for the pirate series. I guess I just figured, okay, you kind of go with the bullpen game may as well start it off with Quintana. I can see how it makes sense. I'm curious to see uh, just how much they can get him built up, what type of how he's going to be used going forward to uh, this lines him up for another start against the White Sox over the weekend. Uh, it's it's going to be I'm very curious to see how how this all turns out, I guess, because there are people kind of coming back or, or names that we're kind of interested in as far as the pitching goes and the bullpen goes. How do you kind of piece together uh, a game three or a game four if they advance in the playoffs, right? I, what are they going to do? I know we've talked about this a lot, but I think Quintana kind of adds a new wrinkle. Uh, how he does tonight, I don't think we can take too much away because it's the Pirates, but it's also let's see if he's healthy and how the stuff looks more than results for anything. I mean, if he gets knocked around by the Pirates, then I guess you have a little bit of a concern, but uh just how they're going to use the pitching going forward is the most intriguing thing to me. How do you mix him in and what does a bullpen game look like tonight? And is that a blueprint for a a playoff game? Yeah, no doubt. I think the idea of Jose Quintana as like some seven inning starting pitcher, maybe even in the best of times in a playoff type atmosphere was probably gone, but you can, Try, kind of try and think along with them of like, okay, if Alec Mills can throw four and Quintana can throw three and you grab a lead and flip it over to your best relievers, I think uh, this is an area where the Cubs uh, are, are pretty good at, that they're, they know 
how to kind of game plan for teams and, you know, kind of uh, maximize pitchers' strengths and minimize their weaknesses and pitch away from slugging percentage, all those things. And I think that as long as Quintana's healthy, we saw flashes of it uh, in those two appearances earlier. Uh, I mean, why not? You know, giving the ball against the worst team in the majors, uh, kind of let him figure some things out. And I think certainly he's going to be a big part of their plans if they're going to make a run in October. Yeah, I think you guys are um, on the same page that, that I am. I think what I really like about him starting in this one, regardless of how long he goes, is it guarantees that you get him a controlled outing where you can see what he looks like. You know, if he even if you were thinking about him as a potential um, relief option in the postseason, whether it be piggyback or even just a traditional reliever, um, you need to make sure you actually get him out there in competitive spots uh, in advance of the postseason. And the best way to do that is give him the start. And even if you know he's only going to go two or three innings, well, whatever. They called up Azulay last night anyway, so he's available if you needed him to then carry forward the, the next two innings in, in tonight's start. So I, I, I dig it from that perspective um, because, again, and I, I've been kind of on this going back a bit, but to me, um, when Jose Quintana doesn't have to worry about mixing in the changeup and he can just work his fastball and his curveball, he looks to me like just a really fantastic two-inning reliever just really, really fantastic. And we got flashes of that. It was only two appearances. Um, and, to, you know, to me, to have a guy like that available in the postseason, especially when after that opening round, um, you're not going to have any off days. And so it's, to me, it would be kind of absurd to think, oh, well, Jose Quintana will get stretched out and then he'll be our third starter or whatever for that. That's crazy to me. But if you've got him available where he can give you two innings, maybe two of those games in the, in the divisional series, that is awesome. That is hugely valuable, um, especially where you're having to patchwork a bit at the back of the rotation anyway. So, uh, yeah, that is all to say, I don't know. I know David Ross said they're going to try to get him stretched out, and I don't know how much I buy that. I think I, I tend to think what we're going to see instead is that um, he is, you know, a short-term weapon for the Cubs if he looks good and healthy. And that might be nominally as a starter, but he, he's not going to be a starting, you know, quote, starting so, pitcher the rest of the way. Brett, you're assuming that Alzali stays up tonight. Uh, they have to make – yeah. You mean when they yeah, activate yeah, I mean, Quintana? I mean, well, here's the thing. Chris oh, Bryant yeah. might go on the IL. Yeah. Okay. So – I mean, we don't know. Obviously, by the time this publishes, the news is going to come out like <laughs> two minutes after this podcast goes up. So I don't want to, I'm not going to hard speculate on anything. But, you know, as we saw with like the Rowan Wick injury, it happens all the time where you know a roster move is coming and then it's like, oh, this guy was actually hurt. And so, yeah, I know what you're saying that if you were going to bump somebody in a traditional roster move, Alzali might just have been up last night just in case because he was with the taxi squad. And, um, but, I don't know. Maybe this is an interesting bit of conversation. I've kind of wanted to see Alzali pitch in relief this whole time. Like I understand why he was getting those starts and I understand why the Cubs have held out the hope for him to be a starting pitcher, but it's not like he doesn't have weapons to be a, you know, a really interesting short reliever. Uh, maybe the command would be there. Maybe it wouldn't, but I don't know. Wouldn't you like to see him get just like an inning to really unleash 
uh, in this yeah, final no, week. I've always found him intriguing. There's no doubt he's got, uh, you know, plus stuff and, and the type of stuff that makes you, you know, like, hmm, how good can this be? And what exactly can he be? Uh, it, and like you said, it's the command. When the c- command's not there, it's a hard watch. It, it's a, it gets kind of ugly. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, the opposition kind of knows just to wait it out, see how bad the command gets. And if he, it, when he starts to fall behind, it's almost like he, uh, he, it, it just unravels from there. So, uh, yeah, no, I'd love to see him in a situation. I guess there, there, there are other, I'd need to look at the bullpen off the top of my head. It's like, do you want to send down Rex brothers right now? I mean, I know he had a good inning last time he was out. It was a blowout at the time, right? Uh, so, so maybe it doesn't matter, but they're still trying to, I mean, Ross even said he's trying to figure out how to use his lefties still, uh, who's there right now. It's, I mean, I guess Quintana is one guy and, and Kyle Ryan and Rex brothers. I mean, you got to try and figure that out. Is Braylon Marquez going to get a, a, a look this final week here? We're kind of running out of time to see him before the playoffs right i'd be surprised if they just add them for the playoffs maybe they're going to surprise us like that but i would think they'd want to get uh get an outing or two with him if he's going to be on the playoff roster if he's going to you know be that uh weapon that they call upon is like look at this look at this guy that the league hasn't seen yet uh from the left side that just kind of dominates and and maybe can throw an inning or two in the playoffs uh, in a playoff game i I don't know I'm, i'm speculating there that's that's the real secret, Sahadi. You see, they already know that he's nails, that he's ready. They're like, he doesn't need any big beginnings right now. We're not going to give anybody even a second of scouting. We're just going to, boom, he shows up for the postseason, and every team's going to be like, oh, we can't hit this guy. He, hey, listen, that'd be fun. I, I'd love to watch that. And if he, especially if they, if he stretched out and can throw like four or five innings in a in a in a game, I I don't, I, you know, I think that's a pipe dream right now. But hey, let's let's hope. I, I'd love to. I'd love. <laughs> Uh, like uh, someone was tweeting about this, I was like, I, "Yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't think we need to. Co- you guys need to complain about No Marquez right now, but I, I understand why fans are doing that. But for me personally, I'm sure getting sick of writing about this offense because it's pretty much the same thing for the past three years. So give me something else to write about, and Marquez <laughs> would be fun. Like Marquez, I haven't seen a, a lefty that the Cubs developed that can throw triple digits. I don't have I ever seen that. I'm not sure." So <laughs> I don't think so. So so I'm ready for it. The Cubs are clearly playing <laughs> three-dimensional chess here, forcing opposing teams to only read these love sonnets on The Athletic and Bleacher Nation and Cubs Twitter about Brilliant Marquez's unicorn abilities that do not even need regular season seasoning that he'll just might even bump Darvish and, and uh, he gets game one. games one and two. Yeah. <laughs> That is clearly how the Cubs are playing the longest of games here to set us all up. Uh, Marquis is currently working on a 30 for 30 about Braylon that will debut the night before game one. This is all part of the plan. What if I told you? Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Well, that's a fun. Let's leave it there. That's a that's a joyful ending there. And um, we will obviously see what happens with Jose Quintana. Um Again, like we've said a bunch of times, like we said here, I think figuring out what the pitching is going to look like is really the fascinating story of this week. I mean, with the bats, yeah, you want them to turn around, but there's no story there. It's just like (laughs) either they're going to hit or they're not. 
Um, and so we'll be back at you later this week, uh, perhaps with a uh, freshly clinched NL Central for the Cubs. And obviously, um, make sure you are uh, subscribing to this podcast. You can get it anywhere you listen to your podcasts, or you can just listen right there in the Athletic app. Rate and review us. This is On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. That is Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. They have some fantastic stuff for you to read at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor. I have some medium stuff for you to read at Bleacher Nation. And uh, we'll be back at you soon. Take care, folks. Take care, folks.